Hello and welcome back to Well With My Soul, the podcast from Seven Vineyard about spiritual and emotional health. My name is Bern Leckie and I'm joined today by a panel of exceptionally strong people. Strong people, resilient, emotionally, spiritually super strong sorry you're, talk, you're talking to us <laughs> everyone's shaking their head like i booked the wrong panel no because today we're actually going to talk about vulnerability and weakness oh my goodness i don't want to talk about that why did we talk why did we set that as the topic vulnerability and weakness because we thought something good could come out of it now i don't know about you i hate it when i have to admit that I'm weak at something or that I'm not very good at something. And I really hate it if I feel like something has happened, I have lost control in life, right? So is that, is that the same with you? So I wonder if you could, we could introduce ourselves. Um, tell us what you do. And could you tell us about a time that you have lost control? How did it feel? And maybe did anything good come from it? Um, Owen, can we start with you? Morning, Bern. Hi. Yeah, as you probably know, I'm a physical therapist and a pastor of a church. And um, I lose control more often than I really care to admit, to be honest with you. Um, last time was probably this week and I was cooking dinner. And um, in our house, when, when I call our teenagers for dinner, usually it requires me to go up the stairs and kind of ask them four or five times, it's time for dinner, time to come down for dinner ready dinner's ready do you want to come down for dinner you know anyway so i did that having made dinner and um my, my one of my children i won't advise, I, won't, I won't identify which one because because we're talking publicly but one of my children came downstairs and they said to me i thought you said dinner was ready to which uh i turned around and veritably exploded at them uh losing my temper say how dare you say that like as if you know, I've just kind of uh, let them down for, uh, for inviting them to come for dinner and then not having it immediately ready for them. So I lost my temper. And I think it was what was building was just a, a, li a litany of things that I'd got frustrated with my kids over. Things that, you know, on their own aren't really worthy of kind of any sort of discipline, but put it all together. And um, we need some correction. Only the trouble is I didn't exercise that correction whilst keeping control of my temper. So um, as a result, uh, that uh, child of mine uh, got a full load, full barrel load of um, my complaint about their behaviour, uh, to which, you know, they were probably a bit overwhelmed and I ended up feeling like that probably wasn't the very best way to do that. So I don't think anything good came out of it, really. And uh, I was sharing this with uh, a friend or two friends on Tuesday. And uh, after I explained this, they said to me, so, um, so did you talk to your child about this afterwards in a more calm way? I'm like, no, I haven't even done that yet. I need to do that. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to put that one down, though, as a win for self-reflection, self-awareness growing, as, as you've been brave enough to share about that in relationship. And I can see you making a, a mental note, at least, that that, that that is a thing that you're going to follow up with, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dan. Hi, Ben. Um, I'm Dan, and I lead a charity called Bridges for Communities. And when did I last lose control? Well, last night. Our car has been broken down for the last couple of weeks. Um, we only bought it about a year ago. So we bought it, uh, maybe under the illusion that this thing would you know, never cause us any problems. We paid for extra warranty to cover the costs. And then 
to cut a long story short, um, several things have gone wrong in the last few weeks and uh, a lot of work has had to be done on it. Most of it covered by this warranty, but it turns out there's quite a lot of things that aren't. So we've been spending money on it. And um, yesterday I went and picked it up from the second garage that it's been at. And so I, I think I went into it feeling like, okay, I'm going out of my way to go and get this car. I bring it home and um, and share with Karen, my wife, what they had said and that it was, uh, you know, hopefully working okay now. And, oh, by the way, they charged us £60, um, you know, to, to do what they'd done. And I think very fairly and probably rationally, Karen asked, you know, should, why have we paid for that? Isn't that covered by the warranty? And I was really put out because I felt like, I think what I expected was the response of fantastic. We've got the car back. Life can carry on again now. Um, But actually what I got was a question about cost. And uh, I did sadly what I often do in those situations, which was to kind of walk away from the situation because what I was feeling with was frustration when I, what I had expected was, um, joy. <laughs> and I went out and I put some stuff in the car and I took a moment just to kind of get over myself and this kind of defensive reaction I was having uh, and went back in and, and talked to Karen about it. And I think I was able to acknowledge that uh, it was a fair question she was asking me and my emotional response was not uh, necessarily rational or proportionate to the offence that's rough, though. Yeah. Cars are just an endless source of hassle. Why do we put uh, up with them? I don't know. You've just reminded me of one um, for our family. When we were on the way, we packed up a car, loaded it up to the max, uh, along with our stress levels, while we were on the way to a church camping weekend. Now, I don't know about you, but whether the words church camping weekend fill you with joy Oh, what what an amazing thing that sounds like. I would love to be on a church camping weekend right now. Or whether they fill you with dread and anticipation. And why are we going on a church camping weekend? It's for a weekend with the church. I mean, it's not that we don't like the church, but camping. Um, So so we sort of... Like we'd borrowed a tent because we don't have a tent. We borrowed all the bits. We'd, We'd... sort of packed more i think for the weekend than we ever pack when we're going away for three weeks abroad somewhere on on, on holiday and so somehow the car was heaving and i don't think it ever tried to carry so much and not too long into our journey very very close to the start of the journey just before we got to the motorway in fact the car just stopped and wouldn't start and I'm thinking, it's a sign. It's a sign from God <laughs> that we maybe we just need to turn the car back. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what we can do about this. I definitely started feeling out of control on that situation. Um, we eventually it sort of started again, and then and then it stopped again. And and we think no, look, the last thing we can have is this happening on the motorway. This is just not. You know, this is going to be death on the motorway. So I had a quick look around and I could actually, we could actually see a quick fit like over the other side of a row of trees. It's like, well, we wouldn't probably go, they're probably like on the pricey side and we don't know what's wrong with the car, but can we just ask them to have a look at the car and tell us whether or not 
we're going to go camping this weekend. And, and to my mixture of delight and horror, the car was fine. And we, I think it was probably just because it was overloaded and it was feeling a bit grot. But they, they ran a bunch of tests on it. And to my amazing surprise, we thought, you know, we'd just have to pay them anything that they've said it's going to be because this is what we needed. Um, they didn't want any money. <laughs> they just let us go. And we felt we felt the 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 downpour of grace ushering us out of Bristol and towards uh, what turned out to be uh, a very nice church weekend. Although downpour, that was not the last of the downpours. There was a hell of a lot of downpour. That was really the theme of the weekend. Um, but it felt awful at being out of control of that situation and having made all those plans, and it didn't, you know. And, and then we thought. Uh, something just got in the way of that anyone else where think of a time you've lost control how did that feel hi yeah i'm helen and i'm a play therapist i i do lose control but i don't lose control that often because i'm a bit of a passive aggressive sort of person so i might be feeling it inside but i hold it in but i become very passive aggressive so when i do lose control i remember it quite well but it was a time i remember and it was with a neighbor I mean, gosh, to lose control of a neighbour. But we had a neighbour who was a little bit difficult. And it was when my children were a bit younger, but she had told the children off when they were playing on a shared green. And I'd gone to see her and said, please don't tell them off. If there's a problem, come to me and I'll decide whether or not to tell them off. And then a few weeks later, she told them off and the kids were all like ran inside and had been told off. So I walked, I kind of, I was a bit cross. I could feel that sense of losing control. Went to kind of see the kids and they explained what happened. They thought I was going to tell them off. And then I lost it when I heard that they'd just, she, they had been told off, which for something that I didn't feel they should have been. I absolutely lost it. And I walked, I strode across our green to where she was talking to my husband and a friend about what had happened. And I just shouted at her. I was, I think I had the finger waving, the shouting that not to tell my kids off and it's not okay to do this and really, really lost it. And then just walked back to the house. So although it wasn't a very positive way to deal with it, I actually felt really empowered and liberated because I often don't speak up for myself. The kids, in terms of the relationship, what good came of it is I felt empowered and liberated, but the kids felt supported. They actually felt that I had listened to them. And often you take the side of the, uh, the other adult and the kids, but they actually felt I'd listened to what happened. I'd heard them. I'd talked to her before and they felt really supported. So it, Maybe not a good way to do it. I'm not sure that this is a positive, but it felt like a positive thing to have done. That's very interesting because, I don't know, I feel the pressure of wanting to try and be nice all the time. And uh, <laughs> like that's a pressure. Uh, it is a pressure because I, I, I feel like there's the stuff in me that wants to come out and express more anger and frustration yeah. that I would rather keep a lid on. Yeah. And I don't want people to see me angry and frustrated. And... Uh, and and yet sometimes there's those things that happen that just make the insides bubble up and 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 come out. And yeah, I love what you're saying that that actually some of the good that came from that in your case was that 
your kids saw a side of you that they hadn't seen and they saw something that, that they felt was supportive of them or protective of them, yeah? I think so. I, I, you know, I'm, I am a people pleaser. I often hmm. don't speak what I'm really thinking for fear of upsetting people. So it was a way to step in. I mean, I don't think losing control was necessarily a helpful. Hmm. You know, there's been long-term ramifications from it, really. But in terms of, you know, for, for the neighbour, but in terms of the children modelling that I would speak up and be open and be honest, but also support them, I think in terms of a family, that's that's been, we still talk about it now. Remember that time that mum walked across the green? <laughs> you know, it's still talked about. But, um, yeah, I think it was at that time. She was bullying at the end of the day. She was bullying my family and she was bullying myself. And we had just let that go on for a little bit too long. And that bullying now has stopped. Thank you for sharing. Anna, what comes to mind for you? Oh, yes, Ben. Hi, I'm Anna. I'm a children's physio and I'm a champion for foster carers. I am really involved in the fostering world. Um, yes, I've been listening to others and just wondering if I'm a bit different, because I think when I feel out of control, I tend to implode rather than explode. So it's very, very unusual for me to what I imagine explode looks like, kind of get shouty and screamy. That doesn't really happen. I think more I just cave in on myself. So um, an example might be if I've made myself too busy. Uh, which happens all the time, I um, start to feel more and more out of control as I go through the week, trying to keep up with my own plans for myself uh, through work and stuff to do with the rest of the family. And then I get to a point where it's that straw that breaks the camel's back. So something relatively minor will happen. Maybe I'll get home from work and my lovely kids have had a great time in the house, but I left it quite tidy and I get back and it feels a bit chaotic. And on top of the chaos of my brain, I can't really cope with chaos around me. I do notice that about myself. When I feel out of control in my life, I like the house to be tidy. So yeah, if I come back, it's messy. Then sometimes I just kind of start crying. Something like that. Something very strangely inappropriate to those around me. Nothing really happened. I just came in. But when I looked around, I felt overwhelmed with, oh, now I've got to tidy up as well. And that's it. I've gone. I'm out of control. And then if I'm trying to think what good comes out of it, I think the more times I go around this cycle, the more I realize that I have to get some priorities in place. I can't just be busy. I need to make sure I have some good self-care. So time to myself, time to reflect, time to slow down but also make sure I put in plenty of refreshing, refreshing for me, social things so that I've got nice things to look forward to and then I can get through some of the more boring, busy, work-related things. So, yeah, it's a kind of learning cycle. None of it's that great, but, yeah, <laughs> if you see me crying, that's probably why. Whoa. It's never comfy to hear about people being in pain. And, and experiencing that that pain oh, what i've noticed from what everyone said is that there's it's where there's this big gap somewhere between what someone expected would happen and what actually happened and maybe that's a physical thing 
that changed or maybe it's just in the relationship maybe it's just the fact that two people didn't see the same thing the same way or didn't get didn't both get what they wanted and I, i'm struggling to imagine a world where everybody can and we won't kind of feel like like we've lost control sometimes um but what do you think causes the most sort of misunderstandings in your relationships for me it's more hidden it's much more hidden of when things don't go and it's often relating back to perhaps an earlier experience an earlier life experience or i'm not expecting it and then something almost hits hits me and it triggers me and i'm feeling potentially hurt or anxious or worried or it's hit my real insecurities and that is often what will trigger me then to lose control whether it's an outward outburst or internally i am then feeling very out of control so it it doesn't necessarily have to be something physical mm. going on coming home to a messy house it it could just be somebody said something and that sends me on a bit of a downward spiral okay so that's interesting then what i'm hearing you saying is that you might not be aware of some of the things that would make you more vulnerable maybe at some times more than others have you has that awareness grown though over time yeah absolutely as i've gone and stepped more into my core beliefs and things about myself and i know i've talked about this before but um people pleasing and things the big one for me will always be around a rejection if there's something around rejection and it came up um recently with one of my sons he's doing more outside the home he has a girlfriend and he's going to see the girlfriend and he was often talking about their family and what they do and i he came back one day and was just telling me in a really lovely way and i realized that i just was starting to lose it and i was getting quite cross and also like almost wanting to run the other family down and they're a lovely family but i wanted to run them down and we ended up having a row we ended up having a big disagreement and a big row as that went on and i was able to calm down and then we were able to talk about it i realized it all my stuff around rejection he's moving on he's naturally growing up he's meeting other people and my insecurity of feeling or think you know being rejected obviously that wasn't happening but that feeling of thinking he's going he doesn't want to know me anymore you know that all that in in insecurities came up and we ended up having a big argument over nothing and it was only once i went ah oh, it's my stuff this is about me um feeling rejected and that isn't about him and his girlfriend and hit her their family that's about a lot of early past experiences and i've just been triggered and since i've had that i often can see of other occasions when it's that insecurity that gets triggered and i then react and respond from that place very interesting so how would you say thinking about that and 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 realizing what that trigger was how has that been helpful for you if i can slow myself down it's to go this isn't about this 
This is about that. You are being triggered into your rejection. Hold on a moment. And I just have to slow myself down and remind myself of where it's coming from. I've often, and I've also done stuff thinking about what who I am in God. So then I sometimes go back and, ah, but this is what God thinks of me. This is who I am. God is never going to leave or forsake me. I am loved. And just bring myself back to what, I re- what I know about myself now rather than those early memories and those early rejections. Uh, Helen, yes, I relate to that. I think, you know, you talked about having triggers. Well, I've worked out that I need to go back a step even further because for me, as part of this pattern, I've realised that the worst days for me are days when I'm tired not had enough sleep, a bit too many late nights doing nice things or generally not sleeping well. Or the incident that I described earlier where I came in from work to a messy house I wasn't expecting because I'd left it tidy. Um, I think I was triggered because I was really hungry and I wanted to start cooking. And that thing about hangry, I think is real. You know, when I haven't had food regularly and I'm tired, I am much more prone to losing control for sure. So that's been another learning thing for me, which is crazy because we know that with children that we might parent, you know, we should keep them fed regularly and make sure they get enough sleep. But I somehow forgot that applied to me as well. And um, yeah, so that's been another, important thing that I've realized that instead of feeling really bad about myself actually going to quite a practical level you know have you met your own needs today even um and then realizing that I need to catch up on some sleep or I've started taking an apple to eat on the way home in the car that I just leave there and grab it on the way home so when I come in the kids don't have me in that hangry state from a a bit battered from the day at work Mm. I think for me, Helen hit the nail on the head when she said, this is not about this, this is about that. And I found it so helpful in this last year or so to have a forum where we're able to talk about what is the this? How am I reacting? Why am I getting cross with my kids? Why am I feeling out of control with this? What was my emotional response in a in a specific situation? Um, and then trying to unpack and actually that is very different doing that with a group of people that you trust. So whether it's been the two guys that I meet with on a Friday morning or even this to be able to talk about what's actually going on below the surface, that's been hugely helpful. And I think also what Helen said about insecurities, I think insecurities are behind so many of our behaviors and patterns where we feel stuck. So to actually learn about what those are for me, what are my insecurities and um, that kind of driving desire for acceptance, um, which is a a God-given desire, but I sometimes look for it in the wrong place. So to realize that when I'm feeling, you know, cross that Karen hasn't recognized my sacrifice to go out and pick up the car yesterday afternoon, actually what's going on is something deeper than that. But in the moment, it's quite hard to recognize that. And it's been super helpful to have places to kind of discuss and then grow in that awareness of it. Mm. So we've talked before on this podcast about triplets, uh, which has been a structured sort of friends meeting 
that we've all tried, I think, now, and where we'll get together with a couple of other people for an hour and not have it like a an all-nighter sharing, you know, crying into our beers, but, but actually just have quite a structured session of giving each other permission to uh, to be vulnerable and share and ask each other maybe some quite probing questions as well um what would you say having tried that what's the, what what would you say is the biggest benefit of that instead of just trying to process things on your own i uh, come back to my favorite catchphrase which is it's a relief to be real i feel like we live in a world, perhaps social media has exacerbated this, where it can look like everyone else has got it sorted. And for me, it's just so refreshing to have that level of honesty where we're all showing that we're broken. We're all in a muddle. We've all got things going on. And sometimes I don't get to have those conversations unless it's in that triplet forum, because, you know, in a busy world at work, there's not loads of time for scratching beneath the surface. And so it's quite superficial, the interactions there sometimes, just because we're all busy. And it is great just to be able to be real and say, this is going well, this is hard. Uh, this is what I'm pressing into with God and just bringing God back into the mix as well, where we can sometimes try and go it alone and, and become independent because we're busy. Mm. I sometimes find I don't actually know what, what's coming up. And it's only when I start to process it within our triplet that I go, oh, that is much bigger than I thought it was and much deeper. And it's only when I start to share it on my own, I'm, I'm at surface level, and then I start to share it and we might, someone might ask me a question and I go a bit deeper and then a bit deeper. And then you realize, ah, that's why I feel that way. And then when we can then share it and talk about it and pray about it, not only have I understood myself and what's happening more, you feel that you're accepted too. Um, and the words then that are often shared with, amongst our triplet, you just feel really reassured and um, encouraged. So it works going deeper, but also the support from it as well is really helpful. Yeah. And just to, to add to that, I think that's what you just said then is true. You're not left hanging. I think because we're in a structured framework, it's different to sharing with a friend over coffee where it's more informal. Actually, we're left uh, having prayed about it, having understood it within the group of trustworthy friends and yeah so it's easier then to continue with your day i know for me when 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 people share something personal to themselves with me i i feel a level of connection with them that i wouldn't feel if i didn't know that about them and i think that the reason i like the, this method more than just having a say a counselor that i go and speak to and who listens to me i actually feel more connected to the people in my little triplet so i feel like really really safe I, I feel like they've got my back I feel like they care about me they understand me and I, I feel like that towards them so for me I think this is uh, vulnerability creates intimacy because when you trust someone with something um, that is personal about yourself 
like an in, in, an, a sort of an inner observation, a kind of a reflection on your behavior and something you wouldn't ordinarily tell people. When they honor that trust that you place in them, then you grow in trust and you grow in intimacy and therefore you derive greater um, enjoyment and peace in those relationships. So actually it becomes a real safe place. So actually, I actually look forward to those, those triplets now um, because I feel like, well, this is a really great place to be. Um, and it's really nice to be in these relationships with people where I'm known, I feel known, and I know them in a way that, you know, perhaps um, I wouldn't do if we weren't doing this together. So actually it's a really positive thing from, for building relationship with people. Yeah, and no judgment. I love that. <laughs> yeah. This is the real me. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> Don't be shocked. <laughs> yeah. So I discovered something shocking um, the other day, I hope I'm not breaching any major confidences in, in my triplet when I when I tell you what I discovered. Um, I, a guy that I've been in the triplet with for some months, we didn't realise because we'd never thought, I found about it after it from someone else that actually we'd gone to the same school. We didn't know. We'd gone to the same school 10 years apart. Thank. I mean, like I would have been so embarrassed if he was like, you know, we're in the same year or the next year or something, and we'd actually we should have remembered each other. But no, he was he was ten years after me. But but it was a school that made a big impression on both of us, and partly because of its very very high expectations for success in life. Really, the only thing that was celebrated at this school. We, we were able to reflect on this in an emotionally vulnerable way and how, yeah, we enjoyed it. Yeah, we'd, you know, we'd love our, our kids to go if we were still living in uh, the place where it is. But, but, but one of the things that's kind of been, that we've had to get over from this school is, is this sort of relentless drive for success in life. As if that's the only thing that you can talk about with any pride or uh, uh and and so what's the opposite of that what's the challenge to that it's failure and uh and so we so we so we started to be able to talk about like spectacular failure and how could we celebrate that better uh it just wasn't the culture we we we, we grew up in um yeah. but we'd also been reading a book we've both been reading a book by richard raw um, a, a, a very spiritual guy who who reflected on success, and and he his idea is that while it's success is great, it's fun, we all want it, but it's a terrible teacher. We never learn from success because when we succeed, uh, we just tend to think that we were right all along. <laughs> it's just justification for not learning. Um, so we only learn and we change and we grow from failure that's weird because because i don't where do they teach you that at school did you did anyone here go to a school where they taught you that oh maybe it just wasn't wasn't just our school then <laughs> no no that's right i i think there's something really life-changing and in, and potentially in a good way about failure that doesn't lead you to just try again but makes you realize you have to do something different. Um, if I can share my story about this, I guess I'm just realizing <laughs> um, this is this is maybe the character arc of my life. Uh, no pressure. 
<laughs> but uh, when I grew up, so I was brought up in, in a family by a single mum who struggled and did her best. And she didn't want help from anyone. She didn't want benefits if she could avoid that. She didn't want, although, you know, so we were basically dirt poor. We were very, very, like, we were having, like, beans on toast or occasionally a tin of corned beef or, uh, or, or spam would, would spice it up a bit. That was life. And, and, and my impression of what constituted doing well was trying and trying and, and, and not relying on anyone else because there were too many unreliable people in the world. Um, this woman's husband had, had almost fatally let her down and, and relationships looked very difficult. Family was supportive, but still very difficult. And so I, I, I pressed in through school and into my 20s thinking the, the only way I'm going to get through life is, is by getting stronger and more self-reliant and being able to yeah, grow my ability to do whatever I want, whenever I want. Right. And you can read books by people like Tony Robbins or life coaches. It will tell you more or less exactly that, that your power in life comes from your ability to decide for yourself and do what you want. That also led <laughs> to my most spectacular failures, uh, probably in my 20s, when my self-reliance reached its limits and I took on way too much and I wanted to take on more and more so I could progress and I wanted to, to serve and I wanted to do a good job I don't think I was particularly egocentric about that but it was just you know it was the heart of me to keep taking things on and not you know avoid as much as possible being reliant on on, on other people to, to 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 get things done and and as thing after thing kind of started to fall over and not go my way and I wasn't the the you know as good as I thought I was at a lot of things and and I was starting to let people down and I was starting to really um kind of toxify some relationships that could have been good if I hadn't been such a knob basically um i uh i i came physically and mentally close to just collapse and not knowing what 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 to do about that um things changed when i met more supportive people <laughs> people that i really didn't mind like growing with and being supported by and and, and one of those people was my wife now and uh and 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 i'd gotten to the point when i was in my 20s when i, I utterly ruled myself out from the the possibility of being a dad because i didn't think i'd be reliable enough to be able to do that the family just seemed too complicated um and it was probably only through those failures that i questioned my idea of can i just get everything done by growing personally and being more self-reliant and uh, and as I questioned that and doubted that and 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 realised that was a weakness, not really a strength, um, I then had to say, well, what's the other plan then? And 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 the other, the only other option is to be reliant, and 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 start building reliances and realising how much I needed to be to be loved, for example, and to be supported, and 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 to accept help 
and to and and to learn and grow like from 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 the love of other people yeah and and pray more i always believed in god but i didn't necessarily think you know god uh i, I needed to be filled every day with something fresh from him to be able to get through the next day um i'd said it in a prayer but i didn't think i really felt it um in my heart as i've come towards came towards over a long time the acceptance of actually one thing my wife really really wanted was to have a child <laughs> then like well we're gonna have to face that as as the reality and and the reality was that i couldn't do that without giving up on self-reliance and it's now kind of more of a hallmark of my life that i've realized i have to be plumbed in all the time i have to be plumbed into what god can give i have to be i have to be plumbed in differently to what support i can get from friends and neighbors and and our community that's utterly changed something um but but it was it was like i, I felt very much like the the broken pot in Owen's story, it, it was always in me that that I was going to be leaky, <laughs> but but in my case, um, what stopped me just drying out was having to just get connected to be keep on being refilled, and uh, and and that's what's made me a functional human being. <laughs> and as I now approach the age of fifty, I'm realizing that. Woo-hoo! Oh, Ben, I just I was just wanted to say that is so wonderful to hear you articulate all that and to hear how God has completely turned something around over time. And now to see you as a dad to Noah and to see you being a brilliant dad from, you know, from everything that I can see, absolutely amazing. It's just, yeah, beautiful to hear that kind of story of, of change over time um, and something amazing coming from something that was you know what you saw as a weakness or a, or a real difficulty so yeah thanks for sharing that thank you um next week we're going to change the subject slightly but it's related because as we think about the different ways in which we're weak or strong or how we want to appear differently maybe to different people it's tempting to be oneself one day and a different self the next day maybe a different self in the family and a different self uh, at church or at work uh, so Owen you've thought a lot about this and you're going to talk to us next week about what self uh, we are at the moment can you can you tell us any more about that yeah, it can. And, and I think this is a problem that everyone kind of struggles with a little bit and that we behave differently in different circumstances. And that could be quite helpful. You know, a good sign of emotional intelligence is your ability to adapt your, uh, I guess, yourself when you're talking to someone to relate to them, to understand them and um, and to form a meaningful bond. But um, sometimes I think we um, we live with masks. And um, it's really what I, what, I, what I talk about next week is I'm going to talk about just the nature of the masks that we wear, particularly those people who who kind of refer to themselves as Christians, uh, where where we we wear certain masks because being a Christian means different things to different people. So the question I'm going to ask you uh, next week is is what self what self are are we presenting to other people, and um, and why is that. And what's the kind of what's the trigger for that? Um, so uh, it, it, we're going to finish up with um, asking ourselves how we become more aware of those things, um, uh, how we become more authentic, 
um, and how we can take action to integrate ourselves so that we're presenting the same person in every situation that we find ourselves. That all sounds amazing. I can't wait. So we'll hear your talk next week and then we'll come back the week after that to discuss it all together. Thank you so much for listening. If there's anything you want to ask us about or share with us, you can email hello at sevenvineyard.org and we'll see you next time.